Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything is possible for one who believes. Welcome to Faith Matters. Okay, for our Faith Matters segment, it's once again this week, True Colors by Pastor Bob McCartney at Wichita Falls First Baptist Church. And Pastor Bob gave a sermon series last fall on current social issues, highlighting the truth found in the Bible. And this is the third sermon out of the seven in the series. This one is talking about why life matters. Mm. Yeah, and we want you to listen for some specific points in this, but we're going to review them real fast. Number one, all human life has intrinsic value. All men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And we are made in the image of God. We are stamped by our creator with his image. Every person, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or ability, has value. God thought you were worth it to send his son to die for you. Hmm. For you, each and every one. Yep. Second point is that a baby in the womb is a human life. From the moment of conception, a fetus is a complete human being. After all, fetus in Latin means little one. It's a term of endearment in Latin. It's hard to convince someone that what they believe is a lie. Here are some lies, three of them. We have believed the lie of abortion as population control. It's not that there are too many children that there are far too few parents. Oh, children aren't the problem, they're the victims. Yep, the answer is not abortion, but adoption. Christians need to advocate to take care of these children. Absolutely. And two, another lie is we've believed that unborn babies are less than human. So, in the scriptures, there's a story of Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and Jesus is just a zygote, and... Yet Elizabeth calls him Lord because her baby jumps when Mary shows up. Mm -hmm. So he was there from that moment that he was still just itty bitty. Yeah, that was a really cool story. That's in Luke 1, 39 through 44. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And speaking of conception, from the moment of conception, your DNA is already established for that specific human being. From your sex, to your hair, to your eye color. Mm-hmm. It's already established. You can't change that. Another lie we believed is the my body, my choice lie. That's the lie. Mm-hmm. A baby is not a body part. It's not a liver, a kidney, or an appendix. No, there's not a single cell in the child that matches the mother's DNA exactly. It actually has its own unique DNA. Yep. We must speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 31, 8, and 9. Number three, God has a purpose for every life. We have covered this over and over and over again. You will hear us say, 
and you will hear leaders that we follow say, and things that we rebroadcast, you will hear us say, God created every human life on purpose for a purpose. On purpose for a purpose. Mm -hmm. You were in the heart of God before you were ever conceived. God has a purpose for you. Life matters because God has a purpose for every single life. Life matters. That's our subject here, our theme. And number four, because God can remove the guilt and shame of abortion. Mm-hmm. There are people who have made very bad choices or encouraged someone to make that choice to abort a child. But God loves those who have made bad choices. Yep. Abortion may be a sin you can't forget, but it's not a sin that God can't forgive. That's powerful. Yes. And, and remember, abortion has two victims. The baby who's been killed and the mother who has suffered the consequences. Yes. Great sermon series. It's hard-hitting. These are not easy issues for most people to talk about, and he tackles them, and that's why we love Pastor Bob at First Baptist Church in Wichita Falls. This is third of a seven series on true colors. This one was Why Life Matters. Okay, let's listen to Pastor Bob as he delivers the message. Let's take our Bibles this morning and open them to Psalm 139, verse 13. Psalm 139, verse uh, 13. Welcome to those of you at the Church at Shepherd at our West Campus, as well as those of you who watch us by various means of, uh, on the Internet and on television. We're glad that you're here this morning. Patty was 17. She was pregnant. She was alone. And she was scared. She didn't know exactly what to do. There were friends and family who were pressuring her and, or advising her at least to have an abortion. You're 17. Abort the baby and, and move on with your life. The added pressure, the fact that the father was, they were, they were not going to get married. There was, uh, there was that complication and Patty just felt overwhelmed. But she said in an interview with the Today Show, I knew I couldn't. I had to do whatever it took. My baby's life mattered. And so Patty, Patty Mallet, decided not to abort the baby. And if she would have, we would have been deprived the poetic, romantic music of Justin Bieber. Baby, 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 ooh. It took a long time to write that line. I mean, I guarantee you that. But in all seriousness, Justin Bieber's life matters. And today I'm going to talk about this topic, and I know that it is incredibly, incredibly sensitive. It is also probably one of the most politically charged topics that I could tackle in this series. But rather than dealing with the political side of this, what I'm really interested in is helping you understand, especially a couple of younger generations that are in this room today, I want to help you understand the biblical, ethical, and moral side of this issue. It is hugely important. And I also want to speak this morning to some of you who are going to be in almost a tortured state of anxiety throughout this entire sermon because you feel an acute sense of guilt. Let me be very serious. 
I realize that in a crowd this size, the percentages just don't lie. That there are people who are sitting in front of me right now who made a very bad choice. Or there are some guys who are sitting here, by the way, who encouraged somebody to do that. And you feel this overwhelming weight. I want you to hear me say this. My goal this morning is to speak the truth. And I won't soft pedal it because I fear for your feelings. But I'm going to try to do that with the greatest sensitivity and love. And I beg of you, please hang around for my last point. If you, if you just have to tune everything else out, I'm, I'm begging you to please hear me out on the last thing I want to talk to you about this morning. So Psalm 139 is David, and he is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he is speaking without the aid of modern sonograms and medical technology that have shown us images of the developing baby in the womb, and yet the way the Bible describes this 3,000 years ago is so wonderfully accurate to what happens to a child developing in the womb. Listen to what David said in Psalm 139, verse 13. David cries out, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. David writes these words, and they they are Hebrew poetry. But he talks about the complexity of human life. He talks about the beauty of human life. And he speaks about the development of human life in the womb. And so when we come to this topic of life mattering and why life matters, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. I've been greatly influenced by a, uh, a professor of philosophy, a, a pretty famous writer and scholar named William Lane Craig. Dr. Craig is a professor at Talbot University, uh, Talbot, University Talbot Seminary, and uh, he is widely regarded as one of the most brilliant Christians on planet Earth today, and also uh, one of the leading apologists to answering really deep questions. And Dr. Craig says there are two questions that we have to ask when it comes to the subject of life and on on the opposite side of that coin, abortion. He says the first question we have to ask is this, does all human life have intrinsic value? That's the first question that we have to ask. Is there value in all human life? And if you answer that question, then a second question is naturally going to flow when it comes to this topic. Is the baby in the womb a human life? So that's the two questions that we're going to deal with. And I'm going to ask you to think kind of deeply with me for a few minutes. And I'm going to give away my bias to begin with. And you kind of know where I stand on this. I'm not going to shock you. Life matters, first of all, because... All human life does have intrinsic value. All human life has value. 
Now, what do we mean by intrinsic? Intrinsic means that it has value in and of itself. It has value simply because it is. It's not value that we place on something. It's not value that we, that we uh, place on something. Let me give you an example. If I were to hold up a $1 bill in one hand and a $100 bill in the other, you would say those have very different values. But the truth is this. What they're worth is exactly the same. See, they're made out of the same piece of paper and cloth. That's what money's made out of. They have the same ink on them. It's just that one of them has a couple of extra zeros on it in the ink. That's it. That's the only difference in the worth of those two objects. But we place a value on them that on one is 100 times greater than the other. That is applied value. That is, that is what it would be called extrinsic value. Intrinsic value is that something is valuable in and of itself. And is a human being, is every human being a person of value? Now, you don't have to really go too deep on this. I mean, people who, people who don't even believe the Bible would actually say yes in answer to that question. So I'm not trying to make you do mental gymnastics and I'm not trying to make you go somewhere that you're not unwilling to go. It's just natural for you to say, well, sure, every human being has value. The United Nations, which is hardly a Baptist church, has a declaration of human rights which says that all people, regardless of race or nationality or their social position in life, have equal value. In our own Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson wrote, all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. All men are created equal. Now, let's be honest and say that our country has not always lived up to that statement, but it is a great aspirational statement. It is one that we should strive to attain, that all people are created equal. But we as biblical Christians have something deeper than UN statements or even a declaration of independence. The Bible tells us that we have intrinsic value because every human life is stamped with the image of God. This issue of life and value is actually tied together in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood... By man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. The reason that it is not lawful for you to simply take another person's life is because deep in our, in our legal code, we have this Judeo-Christian idea from the Bible that people all have value because they are made in the image of God of God. God created every human being in his image and stamped us with that special significance. And your life has value. Every life has value. God loves every single person. And Christ died for all. God thought you were worth it to send his only begotten son to a cross to die in your place. And he did that for everyone who has ever lived in every continent, of every skin cover, color, of every nationality on this planet. You know, when you think about the, the fact that all people have value, the truth is that for a long time, 
we did not look at people with disabilities as having value. But I, I, I'm thankful that that is changing. Last fall, I was part of a triathlon. And um, our, our sport, the sport that I enjoy participating in, is kind of a low-key sport. We don't get a lot of ESPN coverage, okay? There's just not a lot of that. But on this day, I get to the race site. There are ESPN cameras. Uh, there are media everywhere. And it was just really kind of a surreal experience to race in that environment. And I did not get on camera, okay? They weren't there for me. But they were there because a young man named Chris Nickich was training, had been training to complete this Ironman triathlon, and he would be the first Down syndrome athlete to complete an Ironman triathlon. I was actually on the run course with him for a little while. I was going one direction and he was going the other direction. And it was just cool to be a part of that experience, to see this guy complete an Ironman, become the first Down syndrome athlete to do that. But what really made the most profound impact on me that day was that Chris had a motto for his training. And it was, every day I want to get 1% better. 1% better. And uh, so they made up all these T-shirts that had said 1% better on, on all these T-shirts. They were a, kind of a fluorescent orange color. And I noticed that like every intersection that I ran through where there were people gathered on the run course, there were families that had on these 1% better T-shirts. And I thought, that's cool. They came out to support Chris. This is just really neat. And it's special. And, of course, all of the athletes on the course were cheering him on. Every time we met him, we were cheering him on. But I noticed these, these people. And what I noticed, began to notice was that every single one of them, every group, had a Down syndrome child with them. Every one of them. And I'm sure that people with Down syndrome have some sort of support network and to encourage one another and, and, and help one another along in the process. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's where all this developed but what I know had to happen was there was some dad who picked up a little Down syndrome boy or Down syndrome girl and said, look, he's like you and he's doing this and you can do whatever God puts in your heart to do too. Does Chris's life have value? Yes, it does. Of course, we would scream, absolutely, that little boy or girl with Down syndrome, their life matters. Yes, their life has value. So that leads us to the second question. If I've convinced you on the first that every human life has intrinsic value, then here's the second question, and it's a harder question. Then is that baby in the womb a human life? That's the big question. If every life has value, then we have to answer the second question, which is, does every child in the womb, is that baby in the womb a human life? Here's my second bias. Yes, life matters because a baby in the womb is a human life. That fetus that is growing in its mother's womb, in his or her mother's womb, is a genetically complete human being from the moment of conception. Dr. William Lane Craig puts it this way. He puts it much better than I could. Here it seems to me, that it is virtually undeniable, scientifically and medically, 
that the fetus at every stage of its development is a human being. From the moment of conception on, there exists a living organism which is a genetically complete human being and which if left to develop will grow into an adult member of the species. At the moment of conception, your genetic code was complete. Your gender was determined in that moment. Moreover, all the individual traits like body type, eye and hair color, facial characteristics are all determined in the moment of conception. At that moment, a human being was conceived. I know that we use medical scientific terms sometimes like zygote and that's before the heartbeat and, and then we use the term fetus. Do you know what the term fetus means in Latin? Little one. That's literally what, what it means, little one. It's actually a term of endearment in Latin. Maybe we ought to drop fetus and just start calling the child in the womb a little one. It makes it a whole lot harder to exterminate when it's a little one. And not a fetus. All of, the, all of the markers that people try to use to say, well, at some point you, you, you can have an abortion, but after that point you can't. Like, like after a tri, one trimester or after the second trimester. And I won't even go into the brutality and the ghastly nature of late-term abortions, which are called partial birth abortions and the dismemberment of a human being. But all of those lines are arbitrary. Medically speaking, the reason pregnancies are divided into trimesters is because they're roughly nine months long. If gestation periods were eight months long, we'd probably talk about four quarters. It's an arbitrary division. Some people talk about the heart, well, the heartbeat, that's the, that's the marker, you know. I appreciate efforts like the heartbeat bill. It's a step in the right direction. But the truth is this, that... There is nothing that changes in that moment of the heart beating about the genetics. If it's not a human baby, what is it? Just what is it? It's not bovine. It's not feline. It's not canine. It's not a fish. It's got to be human. It has human DNA. Here's the problem. And here's where some of you are pushing back mentally. It is hard for me to convince you that what you believe is a lie. It is. The hardest thing that you will ever do in your life is to know the truth and try to convince someone else that what they believe is a lie. I mean, it, it, it's, why, it's why we argue with one another. But I want to tell you, there are some lies that we have believed. Some of these have even crept into the church. Let me give you a couple. I'm going to give you three of them. We've believed the lie that abortion is population control. We have believed the lie that abortion ought to be used to control the population. I mean, there are 8 billion people on this planet. Bob, there are just too many people. Uh, the, the foster care system is overwhelmed. There are too many children. The problem is not there are too many children. The problem is there are too few parents. The children are not the problem. They are the victim. The Bible says in Psalm 127 verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Is there a crisis 
when it comes to orphans globally. Yes, there is a global orphan crisis, but the answer is not abortion. The answer is adoption. It is Christians involving themselves in the in the foster care and the adoption uh, issues that, that come up in our culture. It is Christians activating to say we are going to care for these who have been abandoned or these whose parents maybe felt they couldn't take care of them. I want to say this, and I think it begs to be said. The most loving option that some parents who simply because life is just their life is just out of control the most loving thing they could do is allow their child to be adopted by a healthy family that could care for them and i have seen that take place many times in our church we have believed a lie that abortion should be used for for Population control and is simply not true. Number number two, we have believed the lie that unborn babies are less than human. Now I want to show you this in scripture because this is really, really important to me. Some of you said, well, I had a science class where I was told that it's not a human until some arbitrary marker takes place. In scripture, there is a moment where an angel comes to Mary and the angel says to her, You are about to become pregnant with a child, though you've never known a man sexually. And the Holy Spirit is going to conceive in you a child. And then the angel encourages Mary by giving her this evidence, this proof. And here's how you're going to know that what I'm telling you miraculously is going to happen. That miraculously, God has allowed your cousin Elizabeth, who also was barren and she couldn't have a child. She's going to have a child and she's already past the second trimester. She is six months pregnant. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes to visit Elizabeth. Listen to these verses. Luke chapter 1 verse 39. Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. And entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. John, who is the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John has an emotional, spiritual response in the womb. This is not a fetus. This is a person. But what's even more remarkable is not what Elizabeth says to Mary about her baby, it's what Elizabeth says to Mary about Mary's baby. Jesus is still a zygote at this point. He is still tiny, just a multi-celled organism. And she calls him my Lord in verse 33. How is it that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Jesus is a living person even at that moment. 
We have believed the lie that somehow that unborn babies are less than human and they are fully human and deserving of our protection. Number three, and this is where I get kicked off Facebook for violating their community standards. We have believed the lie of my body, my choice. We have believed the lie when it comes to that. And I want to dig into this and I want to talk about it because it is of deep importance. A baby is not a body part. A baby is different from an appendix or a liver or a heart or a brain. It's different. And here's how it's different. There is not a single cell on a cellular level. There is not a single cell in that baby in the mom's womb that matches her DNA. The baby has a unique DNA. It is a combination of chromosomes contributed by the mother and the father that create a unique human being in the womb. A baby is not a body part. Now here's what I would say when it comes to my body, my choice. If a lady says, you know what, I don't like the way my face looks, I'm going to go to a plastic surgeon and I'm going to have my nose changed. Your body, your choice. You know what, on an even more serious note than that. And, and this has happened as a pastor, I've prayed with people through this. A doctor says to a lady, you have cancer. The only cure is going to be chemotherapy and, and maybe she's walked through this before and she says, you know what, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want chemotherapy. Your body, your choice. But a baby is not a body part. A baby is an independent, unique human being created in the image of God. And when it comes to my body, my choice, the Bible actually speaks to that to followers of Jesus. And here's why I'm going to tell you it's a lie. Because the Bible says it's not your body and it's not your choice. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. Your body belongs to the Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, some of you are going, Bob, why are you doing this? Why, why, let's just talk about something simple like God is love. Okay, could, could we not have to talk about this today? Why, why talk about these issues? Because of Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless. And see that they get justice. Those on the side of, of abortion have a voice. Who will be the voice for the little guy? For the little guy in the womb? For the little one? Who will be their voice? If we remain silent, they have none. None. That's why they're worth talking about. They are people. They are human beings. They have intrinsic value. And they're worth saving. Number three, life matters because God has a purpose for every single life. God created every life on purpose with a purpose. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, in the very first chapter says something that for me is so instructive. 
In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4, the Old Testament prophet says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah heard God say, I formed you. Before I even formed you, I knew you. I knew you, you as a person. You were in the heart of God before you were ever conceived. He knew you. And he consecrated you. He set you apart. And he gave you a purpose. For Jeremiah, it was to be a prophet. Yours could be to be a physician or a lawyer or a painter or a plumber or a housewife or a godly mother or a school teacher or a nurse. God has a purpose for you. Life matters because God has a purpose for every single life. Andrea Bocelli is one of the most world's renowned opera singers. Has a remarkable voice. He was also born blind. He stopped a concert one night and he told a story about a young woman who was pregnant and she began to feel a lot of pain. And at first she thought it was just the normal pain associated with pregnancy. And then it got worse and worse. And so she decided, I'm going to go to the doctor. And she goes to her doctor and her doctor says, it's a good thing you came in. This isn't just normal pain. You have appendicitis. We got to get your appendix out. And so this is about 60 years ago and they're they, they take her into surgery, take her appendix out. When she comes out of surgery and she's recovered, the doctor looked at her and he said, look, in order to do the, the appendix operation, there were some things that we had to get in there and move around. And, 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 and I, I don't know, understand exactly what that means. But he said, look, your baby could be born with some deformity or some disability. I advise you to abort the pregnancy. And the young lady wrestled with it, but because she had a very strong spiritual background, she realized that she could not do that. And she said, no, I have to bring this life into the world. And Andre Bocelli then said, and that pregnant woman who was so brave was my mom. Yes, he was born with a disability. He has been blind since birth. But if she had... If she had followed the the advice of that physician, the world would have been deprived of one of the greatest voices that has ever sung. Even if you don't like opera, you got to say, man, that guy can sing. And I wonder how how many blessings we've deprived ourselves of because we've taken their life. Why is there not a cure for cancer? Maybe God sent it and we aborted it. We need leaders. Where are are the leaders in our nation, in our world? And God says, I sent them. And you aborted them. See, every life that God creates, he has a purpose for. And life matters because of that. But I want you to hear me out for the next few minutes. Because I've tried to make my case for you that abortion, yes, is a moral evil. It is the taking of a human Life, a human life that has intrinsic value. God loves that baby in the womb from the moment of conception. But I want you to hear me say this. God loves women who've had abortions. God loves women who've made this choice. And I do not want you to leave this place today without hearing loud and clear 
that while abortion may be a sin you can't forget, it is not a sin God can't forgive. The fourth point in this message is simply this, because only God can remove the guilt and shame of abortion. A few years ago, there was this movement. It was called Shout Your Abortion. People wanted to talk about how how proud they were of their abortions and how much their abortions had helped them. And it was started by these Hollywood actresses, just to be honest. And the media played it up that it was going to be this stunning viral social media success. And it was a resounding flop. And the reason for that is that most women who've had an abortion struggle with it for years after they've had that abortion. Abortion has two victims. We need to remember that. The baby and the mother are both victims. The mom, maybe because she's believed a lie or she's made just a choice that she didn't think through. But abortion does have two victims. And to those women, I want you to hear me say, there is mercy and grace for you. I want to just speak these verses over you. Micah 7, 19, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. There is a loving God who longs to forgive you and to take your sin and cast it and bury it in the deepest sea. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, And it's God speaking, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. I've spoken to enough women who've had abortions to know that it is the sin that lingers in the back of your mind. I want you to hear me say that you may be able to never be able to forget it, but God says, I will remember it no more. God will never bring it up again after you ask him to forgive you. Now you may feel it in your own conscience. And let me tell you something, the evil one, he will use it as a battering ram against your soul. But God says, I will remember it no more. I want you to know that we want to do more at our church than curse the darkness. We want to light candles. We want to shed light on things. And so while I don't expect public response to a message like this, it's too personal. It's too intimate. There's too much fear associated with it in an environment like this. I know that. And so we've created a page. It's at fbcwf.org slash recovery. And if, you're, if you've walked through this and you've never talked to anybody about it, there is a page there, a link there to the center. It used to be the Crisis Pregnancy Center. They have a wonderful group that works through this in a very confidential way of ladies who have had abortions who are seeking restoration and and forgiveness and a sense of rebuilding what has been taken away. And we want to point you in that direction. I also want to speak to some of you guys in the room. 
I've met with men before who've said to me, I have a terrible, guilty conscience and I cannot, I simply can't get past it. That when I was 19 years old or when I was 21 years old, I got my girlfriend pregnant. And I either encouraged or some or very honest say I pressured her to get an abortion. And guys, I want you to hear me say, what you did was wrong, yes. But there's a God who forgives sin. And some of you, and ladies alike, you might need to be part of our regeneration ministry. It's a discipleship ministry. It meets at our West Campus on, uh, on Monday nights. And this would be a, a, a great program for you to be a part of, for you to come to understand the depth of God's mercy and grace toward you. Some of you this morning are saying, you know what, Bob? God's been dealing in our family. God's been speaking into our hearts about foster care or adoption. There's a link on that page to our Orphans Embrace Ministry. There's also one to Inheritance Adoptions. And if God is speaking to you about that, if God is calling you toward that and moving you toward that at this point in your life, we want to help you. We don't want to just stand up and curse the darkness. We want to shed light into darkness. And that's what we're trying to do. Is abortion wrong? Yes, it is. Is there a God who loves you? Oh, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Would you bow your heads, please? I realize that this has been difficult for some of you to hear and sit through. And, but sometimes truth is like a surgeon's scalpel and God uses his truth to deal with us in areas that we need, we need to think about. So for some of you this morning, there is this sense perhaps that you need to seek God's forgiveness. I want to assure you of the promise that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. There are those of you who perhaps you need to remember the forgiveness of God. Maybe you've sought it before, but you've never fully accepted it. Maybe this morning is the time for you to accept that, to accept how much he loves you. There are others of you who've never received Jesus. Maybe it's not in any way associated with the issue of life and abortion, but you've never asked Jesus to forgive you your sins. And he died on a cross to cleanse sinners like us and to give us a means of having a, a home in heaven someday. Maybe today you need to do that. We're going to sing in just a moment. I'm going to be here at the front. If you need to pray, if you need to make a spiritual decision, our pastors will be here at the front this morning. And I ask you to do that. Father, we pray this morning that you will speak to our hearts. Lord, grant us the assurance that your word is true. When it speaks to life, your word is true. But when it speaks to your forgiveness, it is equally true. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. And that does it for another edition of Digging Deeper. Visit our website to catch this podcast and many others anytime. You can also watch our live TV network, browse our on-demand content, read our controversial articles, or sign up if you feel led to join the cause for defending our Constitution. It's all on diggingdeeper.us. We appreciate you listening, and remember, visit diggingdeeper.us to learn more about what we're doing to bring truth to light.